it strikes me the chasm between the goodness of God and the brokenness of man. I don't know why, but as we open up God's Word, you can turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. Um, we're going to continue our series today called Hope Rising. So I heard about a couple that were the really good Baptists. They were such good Baptists that they wanted a dog, and they wanted no other dog than a good Baptist dog. So they began searching for a good Baptist dog. They finally found a kennel that specialized in that specific kind of dog. And so the kennel owner started showing off the, the dog, the one in particular brought to the couple, the good Baptist couple, and and asked the dog, the owner asked the dog to fetch a Bible. And sure enough, that dog ran and fetched the Bible. After that dog brought the Bible, the owner said, Turn to Psalm 23. And sure enough, that dog took its paws and turned to Psalm 23, lickety split. And the couple's like, we got to have it. So they bought the dog and went home. And that night, they just so happened to have a party. And they decided to show that dog off. So they decided to get it to go get the Bible. And it did. It turned to Psalm 23. And it did. And the couples that were there were like, oh, what about like the normal tricks a dog can do? And like, well, the couple said, we don't know. Let's try it. And so... One of the, the new owners yelled very clearly and loudly. He said, heal. And at that moment, quick as a wink, the dog got up on its hind leg and put his paws on the man's forehead, closed his eyes in concentration and bowed his head. And at that moment, the couple realized that they had been duped. They had been deceived. That dog was Pentecostal. <laughs> oh, man. How do you follow that? I followed that with this statement. There is a great deceiver. And so many, even within the church, have been deceived. And in so many ways, the deceiver, the enemy, is good at what he does. His primary deception is to tell the world that God is not true and that Jesus is not real. But there is a secondary Deceit, deceit that the enemy uses that runs rampant in the churches today. And that's really what we're talking about. The spirit behind what we're talking about in the month of January is against that deception. And here is the deception, is that when you are in Christ, that is the end. You see, that's not it. Now, it is amazing. It is incredible. We're going to talk about that today. We talked about that last week, that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. You have gone, if you are in Christ, you have gone from death to life. But that is not the end of something. Let's be very clear, that is the beginning, the beginning of something. The enemy is so good. He wins when believers think and believe that a salvation is an end in itself, but it's not. It's an invitation to grow. And so we started this series last week called Hope Rising, and hope is rising. Our church is, is growing, and, and uh, God's been doing for the last couple of years some incredible things, things that no one could ever deserve, but God's been doing. He's stirring in our hearts. He's working, and new families are coming, and they're coming to Christ, and, and it is amazing. But, but this year, we really want to claim this year that, that 
the individuals in the church family, that we all would take the challenge to rise up, to, to really embrace our identity in Christ, that we were made to grow. We, we were made, we were made new, not only to know Jesus, but to grow in a lifetime of seeking after him. We are not, my friends, as strong as our buildings with maybe the tornado that came through Montgomery last night. We don't know if it's a tornado. But this church is not as strong as its building, although the building that we're in is phenomenal, isn't it? It's, it's amazing. What a gift from God this is. We, we are not as strong as our budget, but our budget is doing really well. And it's amazing what God continues to do in our finances. But that is not, not the measure of our strength, my friends my church family. Our measure of strength is that we're only as strong as the individual disciples within the family of God at Hope. And so, may I say today, I want to be very clear so as not deceive anyone. Our identity, my identity in Christ is to grow. And I want to tell you how I want you to approach that this year. So I'm calling it the B3 discipleship strategy for this year. And here is B3. Everybody say B3. B3. All right? And so it's this. It's B. That's one. B-E. Not just the letter. B. The second is bring. And the third is build. Everybody repeat that after me. B, bring, build. Let's try that again. Be, bring, build. Be, bring, build. <laughs> Supposed to repeat after me. <laughs> uh, what does that mean? The first step is that everybody in our church family, that, that, that we are being disciples of Jesus Christ, that we would embrace that challenge, that to this year we would grow one step at a time toward Jesus. That's all we can do. The second is bring, is to bring someone with you. And the third is to build someone else up in Christ. And so that's the three things I really want to concentrate on this year. And, and really today we're focusing on the B aspect, is, is what do we do? If you came last week, if you, if you didn't, you, that's the idea, is that, that the idea that if we're in Christ, we are completely new. We have a new beginning in Christ, and we wake up every day with His mercies new. What an amazing truth. Every single day, His mercies are fresh. His mercies are new. His mercies are sufficient for us. And that's just such an amazing truth. But the question is, like, when we get to that point... That, that new creation that we have found our identity in Christ in, what now? What do we do? What do we do now? And so this idea of be, this idea of knowing Christ is, is to be a disciple that grows and goes and grows, goes and grows to be the church, not just a church goers who attend a church. And those two are so distinctly different. What the enemy would want for all of us is for, for us that we would just come to a building that we call the church, but we never really understand what it means to be a beer of the church. And so to say it simply is I want us all, including myself, to be a be a beer, 
be a bringer and be a builder. Now, that first one's kind of hard because if you spell beer and you write it down, okay, you spell it. I know it's not a word, but it doesn't spell great. It sounds a lot better than it spells. That really is the substance of what I want to concentrate on this week. Listen, if we're not about personally growing toward Christ, the enemy is winning. The enemy is winning. If we on the outside and people are driving by and they see this building growing, but we are not on the inside of our hearts growing in Christ, listen, the enemy is winning. And we are missing our mission. We are not here to build buildings. We are not here, although they're phenomenal. We are not here to build a budget. We are here fundamentally to be a church that takes serious the multiplying of disciples. And that's really what I want us to, to focus on today. What, what now? So First Peter, we actually taught through First Peter last year, and so I'm teaching a few verses, just verse 1 to 3 of First Peter chapter 2 today. We taught through this last year, and so, some of the, so for some of you, it'll be fresh on your minds. This was written by Peter in the 60s A.D., uh, and during a time, it was right when Nero, the, the Roman emperor, came in. It was a hard time for, for Christians to be Christians. It was a very difficult time, lots of persecution. And so Peter writes to the early church, as we pick up in First Peter, he writes to the early church a letter of encouragement and challenge to them. So chapter 1, we understand what is our identity in Christ and where do we find that? We find that in the Word of God, that, that Christ in verse 3 and 4 is our living hope. And because he is our living hope of chapter 1, we are made new in him. I'll just go ahead and read it. Didn't plan to, but listen to what it says in verse 3 of chapter 1. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, little hyphen there, little, little hyphen that are new every morning. <laughs> we talked about that last week. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We are made new only uniquely through Jesus' work on the cross and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. You see, th- those verses are verses of our identity. We are new in the mercies of Jesus Christ. His complete propitiation for our sins on the cross. His atoning work that he's done already, we have our new identity in him. The end of chapter 1 talks about the sufficiency of the word of God. And to go back, he said, in the midst of persecution, go back to the word of God. And then when we open up chapter 2, there is a word there, and it is, in the NIV, it is, therefore. And so anytime you see therefore, you have to ask the question, what is it therefore, right? Well, therefore, Peter says, building on this idea that your identity, that you are living hopers in Christ, okay, that is our identity. And your identity that is uniquely found in the word of God that we hold in our hands, what an incredible gift. Therefore, in the midst of that, he says these things, Second Peter, First Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, therefore... With all that in mind, now that you're born again, rooted in the word of God, therefore, what's the next steps? Rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. But now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. In the midst of this, just three simple things today. 
We have to really understand, like, now that, now that we are in Christ, now that we are in new, crea- new creation, it is not the end, it is the beginning of a process. And there is a threefold process that Peter very clearly lines out here. The first is this. The first word is spurn. That's number one there in your notes, just one word, spurn. I know that's not a word, S-P-U-R-N. I know that's not a word that you use this week. I didn't. I mean, if you did, like, man, you, you have a better English vocabulary than I do. But this idea of spurning in the dictionary means reject with disdain or contempt. Or it means strike, tread, or push away with the foot. Kind of kick it away. I like that. Like if you got a ball, like boom, I don't want it even near me. I'm going to kick it away. But specifically in verse 1, what are we spurning? What are we getting rid of? What do we have a rejection for, a disdain for, a contempt for? It is, if we're in Christ, rooted in the word of God, it is sin. Now, now I know here this is not a comprehensive list of sin, but it's implied here. We only have a handful of sins here. I'm going to come back to those specifically in a moment. But, but it's not meant to be a comprehensive list of sin. But it is meant to generally apply, universally apply to if we are in Christ, our first step is that, that here's our churchy word for spurn, it is repent. And repentance is not a one-time thing that we do when we turn away from our sin and to Christ, and in that is salvation, that is the gospel, that, that the old ways don't, they're not sufficient, they lead to death, but the new way in Christ leads to life. That's not, a, repentance is not a one-time, although that's, repentance does lead to salvation, and it's essential for salvation, by the way. It's not just a belief, it's a turning away from that old way and a turning to Christ, but it is a lifetime of turning away. It's got to start with this spurning, this disdain, or this contempt. You see, a new life in Christ is rooted in holiness. And that's what Peter is trying to explain. If you go back and read chapter 1, he talks about our holiness, that we have to pursue holiness. As we talked through two years ago, we talked through the book of Romans. What an incredible study that was. We, we studied in depth the difference between a justification and sanctification. Both are talking about our holiness. So this idea of justification is that we were not right with God in the court of God, in the mind of God. We were not right because we are a sinful people, but in Christ, we are justified. In other words, we were wrong with God, and all of a sudden, through the lens of Christ and through his death and sacrifice on the cross, we are now right with God. Are you with me? We are justified in Christ. We are, if you are in Christ today, you are a holy people. You are holy. You are justified. But also, this holiness is not only a one-time thing, it is also this process, this lifetime process of, of holiness. What we use this term, we get justification at one time. The second is sanctification. We are given to an invitation in Christ to walk and to grow in the holiness of Christ. We could say this, holiness is your and my identity. We are justified, but it is also our destiny. I know Star Wars, you know, uh, maybe that comes to mind there. But holiness is our destiny, that it's out there in front of us. Yes, we are rooted and justified in Christ, and we are holy in God's sight, but, but we are given and invited and, and nudged toward this idea of, of spurning the old ways. 
And it's not about it perfection, by the way, because uh, let's be honest, I'm not perfect. You guys know me. Oh, like a jaw-drop moment there. And let's also be honest, you're not perfect either. It's not about perfection here. It's about grace. It's about grace. That's why if you go back a little homework for this week, go read the end of Hebrews chapter 5. And the beginning of Hebrews chapter 6 is an incredible verse where sin increases. Grace abounds all the more. But the verse 1 of chapter 6 says, well, because of that, do we, do we sin more? It says, heavens, no, of course we don't. You see, grace, when we find the grace of God in Jesus Christ, never leads to digression. Work with me. All right? It never leads to digression. It always will lead us to progression, progress. If you really understand, root your life in the grace and the mercy through Christ, you will spur you will spurn the old ways and you will move toward the new way and that is a pursuit of genuine holiness in your life you see there has to be an emptying a regular emptying if we want god to do some filling in our life i feel like many times in the western church especially we come to church and we find something that we know is good. We find this is good. And, and when we add this good thing to our life, it's already so full of other things. And it doesn't really work. It's not functional because we never had an emptying of that old stuff. It's like when you need to travel. You have to, I'm the worst when I get home from a, from a trip. I'm the worst is unpacking my bags. My wife just hates that. She's, it just drives her nuts. I can have stuff in my bag for months and it never even bothers me. And be sitting there right next to the bed and never even bothers me. You see, we do that in our, in our walks, in our spiritual walks. There's not an empty. We just add some things of Jesus. And we think that's going to be sufficient, but it's not. That's not biblical, nor is it practical. We must have an emptying, a repentance, a, a turning away from this old way regularly. I mean, regularly. It's something we have to do regularly, daily, an, an emptying of that old. And that way, God can do the filling of the new, the good in our lives. So what do we spurn? We spurn, uh, in our verse there, we spurn deceit. We spurn malice. We spurn hypocrisy. We spurn envy. And we spurn slander. So malice, having negative, hateful thoughts toward other people. Deceit, being a deceitful people, doing things behind the scenes. Hypocrisy, being, saying you're something but on the inside doing, living life a different way. Envy and jealousy we could put there and slander. You see, these things are important for us to think about that. I think it's very important for the church to realize that these are very well within the church. I come today with a pretty heavy heart. I can't give you details, but I, I am very aware of a church that, that has not put these things aside. That they have not put these things aside. I'm not going to cry. But I, I want you to know that this, this is a very real, relevant message for us today. Maybe not us, and I hope never us like as a church broadly, but all of us deal with these things individually. But I know a church this morning that that's really, really the enemy is working. 
And he's working because there is deceit, there's malice, there's hypocrisy, there's pride, there's envy, there's, there's disunity because of that. You see, when there's these things, God will never be pleased. God will never be pleased. God will never bless a church that's filled with those things. And that's what Peter's saying. Like, look, it's a very practical thing. Like, look, remove these things because God's got so many other really rich, good things that we're, we're, we're desperate for. But he doesn't just pile it on on top of sinful things. He blesses and encounters and engages us when we intentionally spurn. Are you with me? May we spurn the old ways. So we can do the second thing, that is yearn. When we empty ourselves, we can begin to yearn for that thing in our life that, that will fill. That thing that is good. That thing that is the best for us. I'm skipping verse 2, although it's in line with it. But if you look at verse 3, now that you have tasted that the Lord is now that you've tasted the Lord is good. And then in verse 2, it says this idea of craving, this craving wording. And, and it, it hinges on actually verse 3 because that word good is a culinary term. I don't know what your favorite food is, but I want you to think of it right now, whatever it is. All right, I'm thinking of a cinnamon roll. I mean, that's what I'm thinking of. You don't have to make me any this week. I mean, I've had plenty of cinnamon rolls, all right? But I'm thinking of that right now because this is the wording used here. You've got to understand, like, like God's word is, has very, very uh, powerful imagery for us. And, and this, this language, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good, that idea of goodness, the best thing you had ever put in your mouth, what is it? Somebody, what's the best thing you have ever put in your mouth? Just anybody. What is it? A filet? Meat. All right. Anybody else? What is it? Prime rib. What else? Spaghetti? Woo! Yeah. What else? Yes! Amen, Miss Joyce. Amen on that. Yes. Only if it has moraine on top, right? Amen. Preach. That's what I'm talking about. Listen, it's so important that we realize that all of all the stuff that we're talking about is based on this, the reality and hinges on the condition that we ourselves had tasted the kindness. Some of your versions say kindness, the goodness, personally. Like we have personally experienced it, just like grandma's house and that cinnamon roll that I would go eat at, that, that we have personally done that. And, and if you've done that, listen, here's the truth. Not only will you have a spurning, but you will have an insatiable, insatiable yearning for more. And that's the idea. If you don't have an appetite for the things of God, I just encourage you to, to really think about whether you have tasted the real genuine goodness of God through Jesus Christ. And if you have never, today is the day. Through His grace you can today. You can experience Jesus Christ today. And I'd ask a question of myself and all of us in the room. Do you crave the things of the Lord? 
or the things of the world. Ooh, preacher, you're meddling now, stepping on my toes. I'm stepping on my toes as well. In our churches today, there is such a culture of indifference and lukewarmness. And honestly, COVID has made this seem, seemingly made it so much worse. As people have disengaged from, from the goodness. And, and, and we already had a problem with being a, a church being a spectator sport, so to speak. That we go and we, we just go for the show and we go home and that was good. But we didn't really experience good that is talking about here in verse 3. Taste and see the goodness that is alone and uniquely found in Jesus Christ. Yeah, I mean, that's it. I mean, like newborn babies in verse 2, it says, yearn, desire. And Hebrews 12, 2 says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Like, that's where it is. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And it's not just a desire. It's something that if, if you are legitimately in Christ, it is an instinctive urge for this milk that is found here. <laughs> it's found in here. And that's what Peter's saying. It's like, look, we already have. You already have it. You got it in our hands. If you don't have it in your hands, I encourage you to bring it. I hope you have a copy of the Word of God. It's so good. It's so rich. It's so tasteful. Just find it in here. And so we have this spurning. And then we taste and we experience Jesus and His goodness. His goodness. Just like we sang. Blake, Robin, the rest of the team, like that was, that was powerful. Like I had a hard time getting up and talking after that. Like, man, that just, it was rich. Like we sang about the goodness of God and his faithfulness and just declared that already. Such a many sermons already in, in all of those songs that we sang. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Oh, man. Whew. Man, that wrecked me this morning. That man, makes it harder. Don't do that again. No, do it again. I'm just kidding. Does make it does make it harder sometimes, but but we spurn the old way of life, and that that leads us when we do that. That leads us to a position where Jesus can fill us with His goodness, and then that leads to this process in us. And that's the third thing: this idea of learning. You see, it says there in verse two, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may what's the two words? Grow up. You may grow up. You may grow up in your salvation. So Peter's teaching us something, that salvation is a one-time experience, but salvation is something that we experience and work out for the remainder of our lives. Justification, a one-time. Sanctification, a lifetime. So seeing Christ increasingly in our life as the greatest and highest treasure the greatest and the highest thing that we can experience. And we get this truth. Peter says in the most loving way possible to those who are in the room, including myself, it's time for us to take serious the growing up in Christ. It's time for me. Talking to me, I always talk to me first. Just sometimes these truths are so hard to, to speak because I have to wrestle with this. And I have to ask the question, like, am I really legitimately... Not just doing the things of church, but craving the author of the church, Jesus Christ. 
This is where I want us to go this year. I know it's so simple. Like, man, Justin, I've heard that a million times. But have you done it? Have you practiced this? Mm. Ah. Mm. And some of the more wise people in the room, you would say, it's never too late to learn. It's never too late to learn. I mean, we're all, let's be honest, we are all in the room, whether you're five or 90. We are all pieces of work in progress in Christ. I am too. I'm learning. And that's, what it's, that's the way it's supposed to be. You can only grow in Christ one step at a time. And so if you're here today and you're seeking like that transformed life, would you today take a step toward Christ? If you are here in the room, if you have been in Christ for any measure of time, today would you take a step toward him? And here's the truth. Just like in a marriage or any other relationship, at any given moment, our relationship with Christ, we are taking either taking steps toward Christ or we are walking away from Christ. And that is a reality and a tough truth. And so this year, I'm choosing, I'm choosing this year to every day, that's all I can do, to take one step toward Christ, one step toward my Savior, one step toward the goodness, the richest thing that I could ever experience. And answer the question for myself, do I crave the things of Christ? Do I crave the Word of God? Do I crave it? I mean, crave it. Not a new car, not a new house, not, not anything else. I crave over anything else the goodness of God in Jesus Christ that I can find. It's at my fingertips. I can find every single moment of every day in His holy word. Do I crave it? We are made for this. So may I just say, this is our calling this year. This is our mantra for all of us to grow personally toward Christ and that we would grow collectively toward Christ. And may I say, like I've said many times before, disciples are not made in ritual. They are made in relationship. In order to do this, you cannot do this alone. We need each other. And specifically here at Hope, may I just say that that you're going to find that best, this biblical community, you're going to find that best in a Hope group. So if you're not in a hope group, and many of us are not, I'd encourage you to find one. And you're like, man, I don't, I don't, I don't know one at 11 o'clock that, that I could even go to. Well, there might not be one, and there's probably not one that you could go to. So what does that mean for some of us? I believe there's somebody in the room. Maybe not in the room. Sometimes we're missing some people today from our 930 crowd. I, I need some people to rise up, like a handful of people to step up and to lead some hope groups. We don't have enough for our people. We're a growing church. We need more hope groups. We need 11 o'clock groups. We need 930 groups. We need some during the week. We need more. Why? Because that's the context which we do this together. A new life in Christ is a launching point to take our walks with Christ seriously. And, and if, we're, if we're really, just being honest today, if we really take our walks with Christ seriously, you will understand the necessity of being in a group. Being in a hope group, it is not an option for us here at Hope. It is a necessity. We need to do this, do this together. And so let's be clear. Our goal this year is to catalyze, to develop a culture of being, bringing, and building. I want to be a beer. I mean, not a beer. I don't want to be that. <laughs> I want to be a beer. 
like legitimately, not just a churcher. I want to be a beer this year. I want to be a bringer. I want more of my neighbors. Some have come. I want more of my neighbors to come experience the goodness of Jesus Christ. Not to come to church, just to experience church. To come and really experience who Jesus is. And I want this year to be a builder. I want to be intentional about building people up in the goodness of Christ. So, so bring it in. The band's going to come up. We're going to have a closing song. But bring it in. Just one closing truth. The best thing we have to offer here at Hope is not church things. Though I love church things. I love doing what we do on Sundays. I love eating meals with you guys on Wednesday nights. I missed it because I had one down sick on Wednesday. But from 5.30 to 6.30 this Wednesday, we're going to have sloppy joes and some other things, some fixings and some dessert. It's going to be a lot of fun. And we're going to have some great time around tables. I love that. Listen, if you've never come Wednesday nights, you've got to. It's so fun. I love that. I love that we offer incredible kids things right now and their youth things going on right now. I love that we do all that we do. We're being more intentional this year about men and women's ministry, being more intentional about marriage ministry and family ministry, and more intentional about young adult and senior adult ministry. All those things are amazing. All of those things are amazing. But the best things to offer, best things that we have to offer at Hope is not church things. It is is Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. If you come to hope and experience activities that we have to offer, you might be encouraged and you might return for more. But if you come to hope and experience Jesus, you will be transformed and you'll never be able to get enough. That's where I want us to be this year. That's the vision of, that's the heart behind where we want to go. That's it. That is our mission, is that we invite others. We invite ourselves and others to come to Jesus. Not just to come to church. Come to Jesus. Come one. Come all. It's the best invitation ever. Come and taste and see that the Lord is good. He is good. He is better, my friends. He is best. Run to him. Run to Him. There is no greater thing. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for your word. Thankful that you are with us. We're so thankful of what you have done. You have been so victorious and glorious in so many ways. But this year, we choose Nothing more and nothing less. We choose you this year. We want to know you. We want to experience you together and collectively. We want to lift you up. And God, I know you're going to honor that. And we do this together. Lord, so we say we surrender. We surrender to you. And we seek you. We pursue you. We spurn the old things and we want to yearn for you alone. Find us to be faithful.